Welcome to Unsanctimonious, the podcast where two irreverent pastors explore the Bible using the Revised Common Lectionary while doing their best to be unsanctimonious. What does that mean? Well, if the word sanctimonious means self-righteous, holier-than-thou, smug, falsely pious, pompous, self-satisfied, or prideful, we want to be the opposite of that. Your hosts are Jonathan Kleinsmith and the Reverend Mark Jardine. And even though we're both pastors, we won't pretend to have it all figured out. Spoiler alert, no pastor, theologian, or Bible scholar actually does. But we do believe that God is revealed in the reading of these holy words, and our hope is that by listening to this podcast, you might have an encounter with God as well. So sit back, relax, and let's dive into the world's all-time best-selling book and see how it might be speaking to us today. Hello and welcome to Unsanctimonious. I am Jonathan Kleinsmith, the Reverend and uh, one of your hosts. And with me is the Reverend Mark Jardine. How's everything going, Mark? Going good today. Uh, Going to work on the Church of Thessalonica. I mean, what else can you work on that could be more exciting? I can think of very few things in life that are as exciting <laughs> as ancient Greek cities um in my life and i say that kind of jokingly but really i do get excited about this stuff but if you are just joining us and don't know about the church in thessaloniki uh then well we're gonna tell you guys a little bit about the place um and uh explore a little bit about uh paul's first letter to thessalonians so in this podcast we uh we read scripture every week and then we ask those scriptures four questions uh, what was the ancient problem that the scripture was trying to address? What ancient solution might it have been uh, offering to its original audience? What modern problems might the scripture be addressing today? And what uh, modern solutions might we have uh, that come from reading this text? So uh, this was a little bit different. We've been in, uh, in the Gospels, which are stories about Jesus, eyewitness accounts. And we've been in the book of Exodus, which is uh, and, and Genesis, those books are um, really uh, telling the story of Israel from a historical perspective. But today we're getting a, a letter. Uh, and uh, when, one thing you got to remember when you read scripture is that it's not like that God didn't like write the Bible and hand it to somebody and say, here's my best-selling novel. I hope you like it. Uh, <laughs> instead, the, the, the Bible is made up of uh, a bunch of different styles of literature, right? Some of it uh, is like treaty language and love language and poetry in the Old Testament. And some of it, it these works of the prophets are, are basically like, uh, you know, modern book, uh, you know, Facebook posts that are condemning things. These are kind of what the prophets did. Uh, you know, some of the of books of history, right? They're, they're literally history that was written down and preserved for uh, these ancient kingdoms of Judah and Israel. And then some of it uh, in the New Testaments, we've got the Gospels, which are eyewitness accounts. But then we also have um, the, the book like First Thessalonians, like we're going to read today, which are um, letters that were sent from one Christian community to another or from one Christian leader to a community or individual. And, and those letters were preserved. And we consider those things to be holy text because the Holy Spirit was at work when they were written. So today we're going to be looking at First Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 1 through 10 and we're going to be reading from the common english bible because we think it's an easy translation to understand but you can read any translation you would like so here we go first thessalonians 
1, 1 through 10. From Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the Thessalonian church that is in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to all of you. We always thank God for all of you when we mention you constantly in our prayers. This is because we remember your work that comes from faith, your effort that comes from love, and your perseverance that comes from hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and Father. Brothers and sisters, you are loved by God, and we know that he has chosen you. We know this because our good news didn't come to you just in speech, but also with power and the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. You know as well as we do what kind of people we were when we were with you, which was for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord when you accepted the message that came from the Holy Spirit with joy in spite of great suffering. As a result, you became an example to all of the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. This message, the message about the Lord rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place. The news about your faithfulness to God has spread so that we don't even need to mention it. People tell us about what sort of welcome we had had from you and how you turned to God from idols. As a result, you are serving the living and true God, and you are waiting for his son from heaven. His son is Jesus who is the one he raised from the dead and is the one who will rescue us from the coming wrath. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Uh, so just quick clarification before we get started. Achaia is Southern Greece and Macedonia is Northern Greece. And uh, so Thess Thessaloniki or Thessalonica, that city is, is uh, obviously in Greece. So that being said, Mark, uh, you get first crack. What, what is the scripture showing us today? Well, <clears throat> this, is, uh, oh, this is like, uh, this is the warm, loving greeting from Paul uh, to this church. And, uh, you know, I think, I think, you know, just what you just drew out there for us geographically with uh, Macedonia being in the north and Achaia being in the south, that tells us that really he's talking about all of Greece. Uh, you become an example to all believers of all of Greece. And I, I think the thing, you know, uh, that we look at with this letter is that now I want you to remember that he talks about Paul and uh, Silvanus and Timothy uh, and Silvanus. Uh, of course, Paul, we know, was probably the author of the letter, most likely, and authored this letter maybe from prison probably very likely because that's where he did a lot of his writing uh, right at downtime and uh, yeah. and uh, you know Silvanus is probably maybe even the leader uh, somewhere in the church system Timothy of course was sort of Paul's apprentice if you will uh, he was uh, he was the young uh, upcoming uh, apostle uh, that was going to spread the disciple that was going to spread the good news after Paul and forward throughout uh, through through this region of the world. So anyway, uh, there's one theory is is that actually Timothy very well could have been the person who delivered this letter to the church at at, at Thessalonica or uh, you know where we're calling that place exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, not really good with the. Exactly. Neither of us speaks ancient Greek fluent. We're not we, I, for some reason we didn't learn that. Uh, but anyway, uh, so all has to say is there's a good chance he's a delivery person. I mean, it's not like, you know, I, I think we were like, well, gosh, uh, Paul just dropped that in the mail from the prison there and uh, just popped up there at the church in, uh, you know, in, in that part of Greece. And no, it didn't. Uh, 
someone had to carry that and very likely it was Timothy uh, because he would have been, uh, as I said, Paul's apprentice. So he brings this letter and it opens with these 10 verses and these 10 verses are really, uh, you know, a, a, a shout of praise and thanksgiving for the faithfulness of that church uh, there in, uh, in, in the midst of all that. Uh, obviously, there was a lot of idol worship because he mentions that on down here in the letter when we get down uh, later on, um, you know, uh, in, in verse nine, uh, welcome we have from you and how you turned to God from idols. Uh, there's a lot of pressure uh, to worship idols in that part of the world. In Greece, there were a lot of idols, a lot of gods uh, oh, yeah. with a small g. And, yeah. uh, you know, uh, so, so this is a church that's under all, been under all that sort of pressure and uh, to step away from faithfulness. Uh, but yet they have remained faithful and they have remained a, I would say, you know, they're the sort of the shining star of, uh, of Greece, as far as Paul is concerned, and the way he addresses them. I mean, when he addresses the other churches in the area, there always is a much harsher tone to the letters than what he does to in Thessalonians and these letters to in, in Thessalonians. So, uh, so I, you know, I think the ancient problems are the ancient problems, and they're the constant challenge of uh, chasing after you know uh, gods that aren't. Uh, uh, the real God. And I think the other thing is, is, uh, you know, the church being faithful. Uh, this is a testimony to the faithfulness of not just the people, but the congregation overall. And, uh, you know, there was a temptation for churches to become absorbed back into the culture and be unfaithful to what God was calling them to be. And this church has, has defied that, uh, and been faithful to God and been, uh, you know, a beacon of the kingdom, if you will, uh, for that area of the world. So that's sort of where I start, uh, because this really is a, as a, as a, you know, this first 10 verses definitely is a celebration of thankfulness, of praise, if you will, for their faithfulness and thanksgiving for what God's doing through them in that part of the world. Yeah. It's, uh, it's kind of a nice break for us recently yes (laughs) a a, a lot of uh a lot of the things um you know uh when we've talked about things on the podcast recently it's been you know uh in matthew it was jesus's confrontation with jewish authorities and um in exodus we've got the the narrative playing out of of either god's people versus this world power of egypt or God's people versus God, God's own self, right? Uh, the the grumbling and and there's a little bit of a of a harsh tone um, in both of those. Not because God is harsh, but because uh, the people are so stiff-necked, right? They're so stubborn. And here, Paul, um, he's basically talking about uh, how the Spirit was moving in this community of people, and that their faithfulness uh, is this breath of fresh air for him, right? Um, Mark, you and I have both done uh, youth ministry in our past. And uh, when I read uh, the letter, uh, Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, his first one, uh, I get that kind of uh, feel that, you know, you kind of get when you're talking to a former student 
or uh, you know somebody that you're uh, you're proud of, right? Like like uh, in my life, I've had several students that have gone on to be really successful people, and some have even entered into ministry. And uh, like when you get that kind of like uh, you know that kind of person, those kind of special people, you you want to let them know like, hey you did exactly what God called you to do. And that's kind of the feel we get here with, with Paul's letter. This is probably, it's hard to say um, because, you know, uh, the apostle Paul didn't use the Gregorian calendar whenever he's writing his letters. Um, but this is probably either this or Galatians. It's probably one of the earliest of Paul's letters. Um, um, and it may be, uh, Thessalonians may be the oldest uh, book in the New Testament in terms right. of when it was written. And so um, we get a really, uh, this is really our first look at what early churches look like and how they were, uh, you know, they sort of came together. And, um, and so we, we, we get a few hints from this letter itself and then from the book of Acts and then from Paul's other letters on exactly how this process worked. Right. But Basically, Paul or Timothy or uh, or Paul or, or Silas, Silvanus is 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 how it's uh, this translation renders it. But uh, basically, these three guys probably came to uh, the city, and they probably went to uh, Jewish synagogues, and they probably proclaimed the message of Christ there, um, and uh, and that that was kind of the the tendency uh, or the 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 way that they they did things. That would have been controversial and people, many of the Jewish folks would have wanted to kick them out. But uh, Paul makes it clear that there is a, uh, a, a clear number of people who don't, who receive the message right. of Christ. And they, they not only receive the message of Christ, um, but they, uh, they are full of the Holy Spirit, right? Like this is a, mm -hmm. this is a, a fascinating Thing. And I think this is one of the themes that we're going to see over and over again is if we if we look really closely at Paul's letters and if we look at the New Testament closely is this this idea of the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, the thing that sets apart um, the early Christian movement from any other religion that had come before even Judaism was it's over um, uh, it's overly uh, powerful sense of how the Holy Spirit is working, right? And Paul basically makes it clear that the Spirit is working through all of these people. And uh, and and we get to see it on display. And that's why things went well in Thessaloniki or Thessalonica. Yeah, I mean it's uh it's a it's a it is truly it's um in a way what you hear here in the first part of this is you sort of hear like Paul is just so proud of them. Uh, for what they've become right and you're right it's sort of like that kid that was in your youth group that you know gets a call to ministry or whatever they go out in life and they're living the faith and they're they're making their way in the world and you're like uh, you know of course i've been away from uh my youth are now adults and have children but anyway i see them pop up from time to time on facebook and you know they've actually have children and their, their life is good and they're in church and they're, you know, they're faithful people and they're, they're happy people. And you're like, and so I think that's what's going on here with Paul is he's like, this, this is a church that we came, we started 
and you guys are really filled with the spirit and you're living the life of faith and uh you're living you're living out our teachings uh you know i think that's one of the thing is it's it's a testimony to uh the effectiveness of uh paul and silas's and timothy's teachings to them and the effectiveness of them living that into their life it's also an uh, it's also a testimony here because he talks about their perseverance mm -hmm. and uh you know uh you know it, it's a testimony to the perseverance that they've lived with amidst everything else that's going on all the temptations all the challenges uh by the power of this holy spirit they have persevered through all these things and all these challenges and continue to persevere and continue to be faithful. And, uh, and then actually are, uh, a church that's, uh, been set apart. They're distinctive right. and they have a distinctive nature to them. Uh, and that's what the Holy Spirit does is it is when you're really in touch with the Holy Spirit, it's going to guide you to follow Jesus and follow God. And you will be distinctive from the culture around you, and uh, so so they're they're sort of like this light upon a hill, and uh, but they they've heard the teachings, they've taken them to heart, they have persevered with the power of the Holy Spirit, and now they are this uh, distinctive body that is uh, persevering and living out the faith and is a light uh, to the gospel for the whole world to see. Yeah, and it, I think it's interesting in verse nine. He he uh, he talks about serving the living and true God who created all things, right? Right. The, um, you know the the society as a whole around them in in Thessaloniki, like Thess Thessalonica, Thessalonica, Thessaloniki. The there's different <laughs> ways you could say the 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 name of this that I've all I've heard all of them used by very smart people. So. Um, we'll we'll put up a poll on the uh, on the website. You guys can vote on which pronunciation like that. But the Thessalonians lived in a place where um, you know uh, Corinth or not Corinth, but uh, the city itself was uh, it was a very important city. It mm -hmm. had uh, a lot of economic advantages. The Romans didn't charge them taxes, so it was kind of a it was kind of an economic hub. And so you you're surrounded by all sorts of different kinds of people and all sorts of gods were worshiped there mm -hmm. um, we know there are several major temples inside of the city um and yet uh you know and, and most of the, the time when these uh when these uh beings were worshiped um they would it was just like in the old testament days in, in a in a completely different culture but there's there's a propensity to worship idols, right? To mm. worship statues that represent uh, these gods. And um, Paul's exhortation um, is it talks about the serving the living and true God. The reason that that's unique is because these people before a lot of them were worshiping uh, gods that were not living, but but the gods that had been manufactured. And so. Um, when we talk about the set apart nature of this Thessalonian community, um, we're talking about um, in the midst of a pluralistic religious environment, and especially in the Hellenistic world, right? The Roman Greek world um, where it is, it is more convenient politically and more convenient socially to just allow for the existence of other gods, uh, to allow the worship of other gods to just be a thing. 
um, they, these early Christians are set apart because they are saying there is only one God and we're going to live according to his will. And, um, you know, this intro to the, le the letter to the Thessalonians, it doesn't make it sound easy. Like it, it says that in the midst of all of these hardships, this is what you've done, right? So they've, they've chosen to live as people that are different than the world around them, um, even when it's cost them something. And, um, and their faithfulness is, is, uh, is such a ringing bell for Paul that, that everyone is telling him about it. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, their faithfulness and, and uh, you know, I, I think one of the things that's interesting is, is how Paul uh, measured their success, how he, how he felt about who they were. And, you know, he didn't, he didn't say, well, you got 500 people or 1,000 people or you converted a million people. That's not what he goes to. He goes to their faithfulness in the midst of persecution he goes to things of, uh, you know, he, he looks at the fact that I like the section, I think it's in the verse six there. You became imitators of us and of the Lord when you accepted the message that came from the Holy Spirit with joy in spite of great suffering. I just love that one verse there. It's a, right. It's sort of a summation. It's, you know, you know, we always say the highest form of flattery is imitation. Uh, uh -huh. Some people say that. And if that is true, uh, then obviously what Paul's really saying here is, yes, you've, you've, you have, uh, you're imitating him and his teachings. You're imitating the Lord. And uh, even in spite of the persecution, and because of the Holy Spirit, you're able to do this with joy. You know, it's not like you're walking around with a frown on your face because, gosh, I'm having to like uh, follow Paul and Jesus' teaching. And it's really hard. And these uh -huh. people are being mean to me. And But look at me. I'm suffering. But. You know, it's they're doing it with joy because the Holy Spirit is engaged with them in that. And, uh, you know, I, that, that six verses, sort of a neat little piece. It's a, it's a neat uh, for me. It's a it's a really good sort of summation of what's going on here is that uh, here's these people infused with the Holy Spirit that have uh, been, uh, uh, you know, uh, inspired and called and and now they're just imitating Paul and the Lord and living in joy in the midst of all the persecution. And uh, that can only come through the power of the spirit in that community and in those individuals. Yeah. What I think is great about it, it kind of gives us an example of, of how um, in the early church, like how this uh, message, this gospel message spread. And, uh, and Paul says, uh, if, if we took it in reverse order, right. Um, you became imitators of us and then you became imitators of, um, of God, which the implication here is that Christians should look like Jesus. Uh, right. Christians should be uh, known for um, uh, their, their sense of uh, being gospel people, right? Uh, right. So that, that fruit of the spirit, that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, that all that stuff should be evident and, uh, and when you imitate uh, a Christian, you ought to be imitating Christ. I think that's a, that's kind of a, a really interesting model because I think a lot of times when we talk about, um, you know, take these, these Thessalonians, they're either, uh, you know, early believers, uh, like early Jewish believers of Jesus, mm -hmm. or they're early Gentile believers in Jesus, which means they're pagans. Either way, um, they are 
choosing to step out of the community that they've belonged to and step into this new community um, that is centered in Jesus Christ. Um, a lot of times when we talk about converting like that in modern society, it's about, let me tell you my ideas about God and how your ideas about God are wrong. And uh, we don't really see that on display um, with, with uh, the Thessalonians. Now, obviously, Paul preaches and others preach um, the truth of the gospel and, and what the, the proper religious belief is. But uh, at its core, it is about um, the Holy Spirit being at work and about people imitating Christ. Um, and when they imitate Christ, it draws others to the community. Right. You know, that's, uh, I think that's the key point, you know, many ways when we talk about it is, you know, sometimes we think it's the preaching or this piece or that piece, but in the end, what he's indicating, what makes the church contagious, if you will, or the faith contagious is when people choose to imitate Christ and Christ's teachings with their lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, it's not about that they went out and they all preached and they all, you know, healed a million people. They simply lived the faith in, in this, in, with a spirit of joy about them. And that was contagious to all those around them, even contagious in an example to churches in the far north and the far south regions of the world they lived in or the known world they were part of. And so uh, it was the imitation of Christ and Paul's teachings that made them attractive to others. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think that we, there really wasn't an ancient problem to address, I guess it was so much as like, this is, this is the context of the letter. Right. Um, but when we're talking about, uh, you know, we've, we've broken down kind of the, the, the theological meat of this text well, I, I think that brings us really well into what are some modern problems that uh, that this scripture might be speaking to. Um, yeah. yeah, I think, you know, one of the things is, is, you know, when we look at it and we look at our world, uh, certainly there are still other gods around, still challenges, and there's still some persecution at some level in our lives. But most of what we deal with is temptation. And, uh, you know, I think one of the things that I'd come back to again is, uh, you know, how do we live out the gospel, I think, is one of the problems we have. Right. Uh, how do we measure, uh, you know, effectiveness or how do we measure uh, someone's, someone or some group or some church's faith? I mean, so many times we look at, well, they've got so many people that show up on Sunday or they... You know, they, they, they uh, you know, uh, we do it in economic terms and they've been blessed. Look at their life. Right. And, uh, you know, that's not at all what Paul's saying here. Uh, you know, what Paul is praising here is none of those things. Right. He is praising the fact that they have uh, listened to the teaching and uh, they've allowed the Holy Spirit to work in their lives in such a way that they've been transformed and become imitators of Christ and imitators of those teachings in Paul. And uh, because of that, now they have become distinctive and set apart and alike to the world. But none of that means they were economically successful. None of that means that they were, uh, you know, uh, 
preaching the word aloud to thousands of people. Uh, it really is the measure of success or what makes for what I would say a star student in Paul's understanding is this issue of being an imitator infused with the Holy Spirit. And that's not the measure we use most no. of the time. No, in fact, I, I, uh, you know, there are millions of dollars, uh, probably if we looked at the hard numbers, billions of dollars being spent by churches to try to figure out how do we get more people to uh, come to our church or how do we make our church a successful organization, right? And um, I don't want to like make fun of that industry or, or uh, you know, anything like that. In fact, a lot of those things are very helpful. I, I totally get that. But, um, you know, the, the real answer is pretty simple was if everybody in your congregation looked like Jesus acted like Jesus and operated according to the Holy spirit, then it would draw other people into your church. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, I think it's Gandhi that said he would become a Christian if he could just run into people that were actually lived like Jesus told them to live, you know? Yeah. And I, I think, you know, that's what gets me sometimes gets so frustrating when you, read things and see things and hear things is everyone thinks there's a magic formula uh, you know churches spend tons of money and tons of energy chasing a magic formula to grow right and and, and and you know the funny thing is is jesus here paul never mentions really growing he talks about being faithful and yeah. being imitators and then you become contagious and uh you know uh and that's a hard lesson in our culture for the church and for us as Christians is this idea that uh, we're to walk in the spirit and uh, be faithful and the rest of it will be okay. Right. That's really what Paul's saying is don't worry about all this other stuff. He's not saying that, but he's implying that. But if you do these things, you know, you, you're doing the things that count in the kingdom. And, and, the, and that's the other piece is that the things that count in the kingdom are not always the things that count on this earth. Right. Most of the time they're not. And uh, that's a hard lesson for Christians to understand. And it's a hard lesson for churches as, as an organization to understand. Right. It's that, uh, you know, these things don't count. And uh, uh, what really counts is are we walking with the spirit and are we following as imitators of Christ in our lives? Yeah. And, uh, and those are hard things to do. I'm not saying that, okay, that's just a, that's an easy thing to do, Mark. By golly, geez, I can, I can do that. I'll go tomorrow and give me some of that spirit. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be, uh, I'll, uh, uh, you know, imitate Christ before I go. Right. Yeah. I, we'll I, got try it. That. I got it. I got it. Just imitate Jesus. Okay. So that's a piece of cake, piece of yeah. cake, piece of yeah. cake. You do that. But, yeah. I mean, but truly, if that's where we, you know, if you, if you really understand what Paul's saying here, or you really want to live into the faith, that's, that's all we have. That That's what we have to do. Not all we have to do. That is what we're called to do. Right. And, but boy, there's a lot of distractions from that. And there's a lot of, you know, a lot of temptations from the culture, but even from within Christianity mm -hmm. to try to think something else. And, uh, 
you know, listening to God and just not listening to whatever the culture or humans are pulling at us with is a hard, hard piece. And, but to be an imitator of Christ, you know, what did Jesus do? Did he go around asking for the Pharisees' opinions? Did he ask for the Sadducees' opinions? Did he even ask for the disciples' opinions? I mean, maybe once they ask who to, you know, who does, who the people say that I am, but, you know, that's the only time I could think of. Yeah. So, so he didn't do that. He, he, but he did go to God. Mm -hmm. He went to God in prayer. He went in the garden. He went, you know, he went, you know, he stayed behind. He went out on the boat. He, he went all these places and he, he always went to God and sought God's input, but he did not seek human direction. Right. And so much of the time in our Christian walk, uh, we have to be careful that we don't get caught up in whatever uh, the latest, as you would say, and we sort of alluded to the latest uh, great solution is to being a faithful Christian, you know, the greatest, uh, the latest uh, knickknack of, Christ, of the Christian faith, and, or even we don't get caught up in what the culture says. Mm-hmm. that the Christian faith should be, but we turn to God and the power of the Holy Spirit to really know that and live into that. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's, that's, I guess if we're, if we're going to nail down a modern problem, that's sort of the problem is that, uh, you know, there's nobody in Ikea or Macedonia talking about the church like that anymore. Um, I, I say that metaphorically speaking, you know, uh, when we look at the church, my hope, my sincere hope um, would be that people would say, wow, those are spirit-filled people that are known. You know, uh, Paul invokes a, a phrase that he uses a lot later on in, in the letters to Corinthians and others, you know, faith, hope, and love. If we were people that were known for our faith, our hope, and our love, um, I think that the the church wouldn't, it, it would be drawing people to itself still drawing people to jesus but um, a lot of times churches are because it's made up of human beings right um Mm -hmm. we're we're you know we're not perfect your pastors aren't perfect uh mark's closer than i am but oh yeah (laughs) neither one of us is uh is probably what what you would consider traditionally a saint um so you know these organizations are made up of of human beings right and if you ever find a perfect church please don't join it if you're listening because you will ruin it right uh we're all imperfect uh and fallible and so a lot of times people don't see christ they see us but um if that were all there is to the picture then i I don't think we'd hear about the thessalonians right uh they were sinners too but that what they were known for was their faith, hope, and love, right? So our sin, our human condition can be overcome by the spirit of Christ. And I think that boils down to a choice for each one of us, right? Yeah, I think, I think that's a choice. And I think we live under the temptation of, uh, I was reading somewhere that, uh, uh, you know, when you take away uh, this, uh, this call of God and uh, this being nurtured and cared for and developed and uh, oriented by the gospel, uh, then, you know, we, if we don't, if we don't hook ourselves into the spirit, so to speak, uh, we may be seeking the good life, mm. 
of our culture and not the life that is good. Yes. And I think there's a huge difference. And I, I think that's what Paul comes to here is that, you know, all around these people in Thessalonica or whatever we're calling the place. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe I'm so great with the Greek today. But anyway, uh, but uh, there are people, obviously, there's no taxation. There's all these advantages. So there's a lot of people living the good life in that area. But are they living a life that is good because that's what Paul's saying about these people. These people are living a life that is good. They may not be living quote unquote, the cultural good life, right? But a life that is good. And that's what we're to seek as Christians is a life that is good and not the good life. And it gets very confusing for us. And uh, it's very hard, but the way we do that is we focus in on being imitators of Christ our lives and being infused with that spirit that allows us to do that and that shapes us and we stand on the promises that that god is going to be with us and guide us and that god calls us to a life that's good yeah and i think uh you know uh, if we're looking for a solution to that that's it right it's it's live live according to the spirit live differently live with with faith hope and love and mm-hmm. and that will set you apart i i honestly i i think of i can think of these people you know um that i would say have this a real holy nature to them and they're always those kind of people right it's mm-hmm. the gentle people it's the people that are loving and the people that have hope when everything seems like not hopeful Mm-hmm. Um, it's the people that love you, even when you're the biggest jerk on the planet. Like um, those people stick out of, of a crowd. And um, when you see that kind of life lived, you can't help but be changed by it um, or drawn to it. Um, the the people that I know that have come to faith after years of being um, atheists, um, they've never been won back by well your argument was so good i just decided i've got to <laughs> i've got to do this right yeah. i've a friend who's a he's a he's a software designer he owns his own software company he's the smartest guy i've ever known um and he was an atheist for years and and uh, uh i you know one day he decided to become a follower of jesus christ to respond to the grace that god's given him right and uh I asked him, so which one of my arguments was it? You know, how did I, how did I, how did I trick you into this kind of a deal? Right. Like the idea being that like, I was just so smart with my understanding of physics and uh, science that I was able to argue for the existence of God. And he said, no, it wasn't any of that. He said, I saw the way that you, and he was talking about a few of my other friends. I saw the way you guys lived your life and I wanted that. And that, that was like, I was, it was kind of a profound moment is humbling moment that, uh, you know, I, I wasn't as smart as I thought I was, but maybe the spirit of God had been working through me anyways. Right. You know, I think that's, that's what it comes down to is that, uh, allowing the spirit of God to work through you and to be one who lives a life that is good in Christ. Uh, you know, I, I may have not, I don't think I've told you the story or anything, but uh, when I was in high school and junior high, I left the church uh, uh, full of hypocrites. And uh, we sort of, my class sort of had a walkout type thing. 
And when I was 16, uh, I got a call. My mother got a call or Birch and the business manager met my mom in the parking lot and dad and said, Hey, would Mark like to work down here at the church? And uh, I said, and I came back, my mother said, uh, Art wants to know if you would like to work as a custodian of the church just a couple, you know, five or six weeks this summer. And I thought about it, you know, I didn't really think much of the church, uh, full of hypocrites, but I thought, you know, I could take their money, it'd be okay. Right, and, right. Uh, it's all green. So I, so I went, yeah, it's all green. <laughs> So I went to work at the church. And the thing was, is I sort of said to God, show me someone who's, you know, really a Christian. And there was Art. And Art was probably the gentlest person, one of the gentlest person I'd met in the faith. Mm. And he just lived his faith. He didn't ever preach to me. He didn't ever tell me I was wrong for not going to church. He just was loving and caring. You know, I came away from that and I was like, uh, you know, that, that is the Christian faith. He worked long hours. He kept the books for the church back in the old days when you kept the books on paper. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just, uh, I discovered this kind hearted, loving, faithful person there. And, uh, suddenly I was like, well, you know, there is one at least. And uh, so I, I tell you that even my story of beginning to hear a calling on my life was largely inspired by a guy who didn't ever preach to me, uh, but he was, he had a life that was good and you could see it in him. And he was an imitator of Christ by who he was. And he was a man of faith and love and kindness in so many ways. Mm. And I, I give thanks for his life all the time, it seems like ever so often, it just I come back to that point and that encounter. And so uh, I, I don't think I live up to the standard of art. I know I don't live anywhere near the standard of Paul or Jesus, but uh, I would say there's an example. Uh, I would say he was an example for my life. And he, uh, he showed me uh, what it really was to be a Christ follower. Huh. Wow, that's beautiful. And that seems like the perfect place for us to end today. Be like art. <laughs> so uh, you guys, you can find um, uh, resources uh, for scripture reading on uh, unsanctimonious.com. We've got a forum there as well. We may put up a poll, I don't know, to see how we should pronounce the word Thessaloniki, Thessalonica, Thessalonica, uh, Thessala, whatever. Uh, we'll, we'll get it figured out <laughs> eventually. And yes, so you know, uh, Mark came from the era where you had to learn Greek, I think. Uh, in some yes, and I, I, well. I was the only person in my seminary class that took both uh, two, two semesters of Greek and two semesters of Hebrew. And yet we're both still having trouble. So, uh, you know. You don't use it uh, every day talking about that Thessala whatever city. That's right. That's right. You, you can find other resources on that website as well. Um, and, um, you know, I just want you guys to know we, we love you wherever you're listening from, whatever country, whatever city, whatever state. Uh, we want you to know that God is present there too. The Holy Spirit that was in uh, ancient Greece ministering to those people and drawing them to god uh that's it's it's that spirit's at work in your life as well um so any last words of wisdom mark before we hang up the phone today 
you know, I just would say, uh, like you said, you know, know that the spirit is alive in every place, in every way, in every possible situation you find yourself in. And uh, lean into the spirit and lean into the love of God and live out of that love. And uh, in that you'll do, you'll live your best life. You'll live the good life, the good life God has intended for you. So anyway, we love you. God bless you. And thanks for letting us your journey. Thanks, guys. We will see you next time.